While the rest of the world has been suffering the worst health crisis in living memory, Perth, Western Australia, famously the most isolated city on the planet, has so far remained relatively untouched by the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm recording this in the middle of 2021, a year since our long lockdown, and with the vaccine now rolling out, I've been asking some of my neighbours to reflect on the last year and on how they see the future. My name is Penny Shaw. Welcome to Pandemic. Ordinary people, extraordinary times. This next interview is actually the first interview I recorded. The sound quality is not great. Um, and I forgot a few questions and had to go back and redo them, but I still think it's worth including. I hope you enjoy it. Today's guests, I have Olivia, I'm an artist. And I'm Jamie, I'm a high school maths teacher. And what's your uh, age bracket? 40 to 60. Same. Same. Okay, both (laughs) in the 40 to 60 age bracket. (laughs) Not 60. It's not code for 60. So where you were when you heard that the pandemic was coming to town is, I think, it's going to be a bit of a JFK moment. Well, I think before that, I thought it was just like another bird flu or swine flu, something that would happen away. And it would And skin, and, and those viruses didn't affect us. But when we first heard, I suppose, with the Ruby Princess, and everyone was wandering around, and then we thought, and then in Perth, when we started getting community cases, and then we had to lock down. So that was the first time I kind of took it seriously because we'd had waves of these other viruses, but then when it, when it, when it, when it came to town, I suppose, and... So do you remember a specific moment when you were like, oh, crap, this is actually happening? No. You don't, because no. I really do. Do you remember one, Olivia? Um, I remember because we've got Austrian relatives around the world when it was... It took, just took us a while to get used to this, uh, the fact that it was real. And Austria, only five people allowed in any one place at one time. And we thought, oh, those Austrians, they're so over the top. <laughs> About two days later, it was only two people in one place at one time here? Fine. No, but when it was really, it was all those cruise ships were being diverted to Fremantle. The other ports didn't want them. For some reason, it was, whoa, they're all coming here. When it became really serious, because we live in Fremantle, there were the helicopters. Um, I don't know if it was news reports people were getting off cruise ships and being police escorts to hotels it was like a siege scene that we would see in a movie and because we were in Fremantle live in Fremantle at the port it was like we're in the epicenter there were sirens all the time um it was all happening and yet we were nestled thankfully in our little homes yes yeah I, I remember from work seeing the choppers over the port just hovering over the port all day long I suppose there were news choppers and we had the standoff with the um, cruise ships and all sorts of other ships wanting to come. And luckily, our premier is was a naval lawyer, so we had 100% complete faith that if anyone could manage the situation, he could. And there were maritime, you know, international maritime rules, but things were there were standoffs. It was like nothing we'd ever seen. It was a bit like a war. I felt there were a lot of international tensions with this arguing about where the ships could disembark in our port. Yeah, Fremantle was a real epicentre of the, I don't know, the severity and importance of it. What would you say was the kind of hardest thing over the last year? What's been the most difficult for you sort of professionally? And we'll start with professionally. Because James, you are a high school teacher. 
it, well, look, um, when we had to do the online learning, it was it was difficult, but it was kind of fun. I really loved it. You know, it was and, and having kind of uh, with the younger kids, they, 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 I said, okay, we'll catch, we'll touch base twice a week, but they just wanted everyday contact, and that they would all bloody turn up on the on the screen. So it was. Oh, would they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, since you didn't have anyone just sat at home going, "Now I'm not signing up." Yeah, yeah, well, some of the older kids did, but the, the younger kids, I think, because they were at home, stuck at home. And sure, they had the social media, but that was kind of a bit of a school routine. They, they could get back and, and ask questions and have a chat, you know. So They were craving that. Yeah, they, they were craving it. But I suppose the hardest thing with that was when you had kind of one-to-one kids, at the end someone would have a problem, you know, because it wasn't quite the same as classroom teaching, obviously. And, and they'd say, oh, can I hang around afterwards and you explain it to me? But you, even though you're online, you're kind of in the kid's bedroom. So, so I had to stop that. But, but the online stuff was, was a hoot. You know, some kids loved it and some kids... How long were we online learning for? About three weeks only. Yeah, you know. which is amazing given that other countries, they've been, it's been a year or more since they've been in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so we say now that um, the cohort the year before missed, I think it was fraction, uh, ratios and rates. So that's their weakness now in year eight. You can pick that up. Because, oh. because because they were online during that three week block when we did that particular topic, that that's a hole in their learning in year eight. You know. So you would say as a teacher that online learning is less effective. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Wow. I mean, and 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 staff were kind of annoyed that that the schools were still open, even though social distancing rules applied everywhere else. But I think if the government had been up front with us and said it was just a bit of a turn on investment to keep the kids at school because everyone else can work, we would have been okay with that, but they were just kind of said that, oh, kids don't spread it or whatever. But That's no, true. Yeah. So at the time you were a bit sceptical. Yeah, yeah. So when school did open, there were still social distancing rules and square metre rules, but not in schools. And we kind of thought, well, that's we're kind of guinea pigs a bit. But I think the reality is that if the kids are at school, then the economy roars because their parents can go to work. But it wasn't kind of put to us like that, you know. Mm. A fair bit of stress amongst my colleagues especially with vulnerable partners or they were vulnerable compromised health-wise. But for me, I didn't feel that particularly stressed. You know, I'm reason, reasonably fit 60-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, he's not as angsty. Uh, Olivia, how about you? So as an artist, a lot of people couldn't do anything very creative, couldn't even read. Like the, the, when that news cycle was so sort of 24 hour, we were all glued to it. How did you find that from a creative point of view? I, I just really enjoyed the, it, it was a strange time. And I, yes, I was glued to the news when it was happening daily, but I also liked the piece of it. And actually there were far less distractions for me. And I found it was a, it was a great time for creativity. Uh, not being able to go anywhere, nobody coming. We're normally quite social people, so I actually had a lot more time on my hands. And so what did you create? Well, was actually working on a series of well-being books for children and teenagers. And you, in your household, you've got three grown-up children. Did any of them come home for that period? Yeah, Ruby stayed living down south and felt like they were much cleaner and safer down there and she, she actually wasn't able to visit and she was pretty happy not to need to or have to and the other two girls I actually loved having them at home it was a bit like returning to a 50s lifestyle 
instead of worrying about them catching the last train home at one in the morning or waiting up for them two or three, they were at home and they cooked and they had fires in the backyard and it really felt like a back to basics 50s lifestyle and actually much less stressful for me. I loved it. I felt also really grateful that I didn't have elderly parents to worry about and I know that if I did that would have caused a whole new level of complexity and wondering about how my dad would have seen it having lived through you know post the Nazi and the post-war times and with all you know hoarding shops and the empty shelves in shops I, I really was intrigued how he would have felt it was once again one less layer of stress for me not having that worry the question is where they would have been in the 19 the last pandemic your family oh, my, my grandparents your in Austria or Slovenia and a peasant I think stock and so quite poor I don't know what the sanitation would have been like mind you it was different in Europe my dad was horrified to come here and see there were outdoor toilets so it was very primitive um, and my mum comes from um, Clifton family, early colonial family here uh, on some of the first boats. And I know that she grew up, even as an adult, did not have power or water in her house in Belmont. So I can only imagine how poverty-stricken her parents were. And I don't know what the sanitation would have been like. And no stories of pandemics from your it didn't get to Australia no. actually quite till quite late. Australia had a very low death rate from the Spanish flu compared to the rest of the world. Similarities? No, I think my dad was so shell-shocked from the whole Hitler era that everything else paled into insignificance. So. Mind you, my father did have a brother die at 18 months or two and a half years old of diphtheria and... I know his mother was so distraught and his father was away, he had to manage things when he was 14 years old or something. So, and I think that was quite normal um, to lose a sibling or two back in the day from not necessarily the flu pandemic, but from other diseases that we don't um, suffer from because of vaccination, thankfully. So, Jamie, where are family from? So, my mother's side have uh, came to Australia seven generations ago so my mum's dad would have been uh, in Kalgoorlie so, okay. so I suppose he gold would have, rush yeah, in the, uh, yeah, yeah post gold rush his, his dad was a local politician but on my dad's side um, that they would have been recently that would have just about been born that, that they would have been recent arrivals up in Minnesota and so he, he spoke of the time before the last pandemic when um when new Norwegian families would arrive in the States and they'd take the clothing from a family that had just died of cholera or, or something. Diphtheria? Diphtheria, I think. So the new family had come in and the locals would give them the, the bedding and the clothes of the family who had died. So the new family got sick and died as well. So no, one, so no one worked that out. Oh, that, my God. That, that the virus was in the clothing and the bedding and so the new family would die and he said that would just seem to repeat itself. I'd come home from work and, and strip on the veranda and take my clothes inside, chuck them in a hot wash and hop in the shower and get ridiculed by my colleagues for doing it. But then one of the colleagues said, her doctor said, yeah, we should all be doing that, stripping off on the front veranda, 
the case there was residue in the clothes and hopping straight into a shower and, and um, washing the clothes in hot soapy water. Mm. The stripping on the veranda sounds quite South Fremantle. The hot shower and the soap doesn't, doesn't sound quite so on brand. I think I left my, my undies on on the veranda because I thought they might yeah, be Yeah, all safe. right. It is too <laughs> enough. No, I don't need to know that. Yeah, well, look, I, I quite enjoyed the, that lockdown phase because my veranda is the most favourite place on earth for me. But we got a bit bored and then Penny started her sunset you know, opera gigs which were fantastic. So it, it started off really small and we we're all very, very aware with three or all four. Very all very careful, three or four of us. But um, I think the problem was it got a bit too popular because people were getting bored and tied up in home and they, they bring their deck chairs and their gin and tonics along <laughs> and, 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 and still socially distancing. And I have to say that is one of the things that sticks in my mind and will forever, like what a surreal, I don't know, ethereal thing every night at sunset to walk 50 metres and look up to a balcony and have somebody sing magnificent opera while mm. you see the sun setting. Uh, and juxtaposing that while the rest of the world was suffering, we felt beyond lucky. If there was a silver lining, best and worst, of the last year, the absolute best is hoping that the environment is having a breather and some time to regenerate. Um, and, and just for all of us, life's slowing down. So the, the worst thing was not being able to connect with your friends as often and have the fun times, but a lot of other slower, more contemplative benefits. The worst, I don't know, I mean, from from South Korea at least, there wasn't much of the worst. You know, I mean, I've, I felt for family overseas, I've got friends in America and family in America and stuff. I worried for them, but... Um, we also knew that we were lucky having a steady income. And if we had have been working in hospitality and having our own job in that, life would be very different. Yeah. yeah. And how do you feel about the vaccine? Are you keen? Are you gonna, mm. if you had it, are you gonna get it? I've booked for AstraZeneca, so all set to go on that. You know what I mean? Um, the one in 100,000, one in 200,000 chance of getting a blood clot, I'm, you know. Take your chances. Take my chances on that, yeah, yeah. The sooner we get done, then, then we, we do want to travel overseas again. Yes. You know, at some stage we, you know, we... It would be nice for Australia to be able to open its borders. And I felt yeah. slightly sceptical because it was all done so quickly. We actually don't know how effective it will be. Despite any yeah. queries I have, I'm definitely going for it and I'm booked in. Yeah, I'm recording this little bit with Olivia a number of weeks after we recorded our first one because you were my first interview and Olivia, you were also my last. Since we recorded the others, there is now a little outbreak in New South Wales. The AstraZeneca vaccine that we've all had has now been recommended for the over 60s only. So we'll be having our second dose in August, nevertheless. Um, it's all been going off, but uh, who knows what will happen by the time this goes to air, which will hopefully be really soon, but you never know. We just don't know. Yeah. And I think it happened. I just feel incredibly lucky to live right here. Right here, right now. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Pandemic, produced and presented by me, Penny Shaw, original music by Finn Pearson and supported by the City of Fremantle. If you'd like to hear more from me, then check my website, daisyproductions.com.au, follow me on social media, forward slash Penny. This is a Neighbour to Neighbour initiative. <laughs>